Amen. Take your Bible this morning and turn to the book of Jonah, chapter 3, if you would. Jonah, chapter 3. You want that there, Hans? You got it this time. Amen. Jonah, chapter 3. While you're turning there, it's good to be in church this morning. It's been a blessing already. Always good to see my family and uncle here this morning. And of course, all of you, if you're visiting, we're so glad you came. Song service has been a blessing. The special music's been a blessing. And uh, Jonah chapter 3, when you find it, would you stand? We'll read a few verses and try to give you what the Lord's laid on our heart this morning. Jonah chapter 3. Follow along with me if you would. I'd like to read just a couple verses. The Bible says here in verse 1, And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go unto Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. So Jonah arose and went unto Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days' journey. And Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey, and he cried and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Brother Cole, would you ask the Lord's help in the preaching this morning? Amen. Thank you. May be seated. At this point in our text in the book of Jonah, Jonah has gone through a whale of a time. And as we left chapter 2, in the last verse here in chapter 2, you see Jonah in a very interesting predicament. He, if you can see it in your mind, he has been vomited out of the whale. There's a great good morning Sunday morning picture for you. He's standing there in a pile of whale puke. And when it would seem he's at his worst place, in his worst state, in his worst condition, the Lord shows up again. I want to take just a second this morning. I'd like to try to preach this morning. And I need your help if you would pray, maybe not audibly, but so we can't hear that the Lord allowed me to deliver this message. It's been a little bit difficult this week, and I'm not trying to cry or complain on your shoulder, but if you let me, I might do that a little bit. But it's been a little bit foggy, and I appreciate all the prayers And uh, with this knee replacement. Um, I think my couch forever has a divot where my tail has been in that couch for so long, and I'm tired of being on the couch, amen. And uh, the Lord allowed me to go back to uh, teaching this week, and it was a blessing, uh, kind of a blessing. I thought I maybe went back a little bit too soon on Monday, and then Tuesday got a little bit better, and then Wednesday is a little bit better, and so forth and so on, so here we are. But I really appreciate the prayers, the cards, the gifts, the text, and everything that you've done to, to help uh, see me through this. And uh, uh, getting around a little bit better, uh, a little bit slow, but that's all right. But here I notice that Jonah is at his worst state possible in this small book. He's there. You can imagine what he looks like. Of course, if, uh, if, 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 if we understand about whales and every living organism has some kind of acid in there. He probably looks like a stinking ghost. If he's in the belly of the whale, which I believe the Bible, don't you? I believe the literal 
fact that Jonah was in the belly of the whale. And if you're in anyone's belly, that's a pretty bad place to be. But the fact that you came out, you probably look like some creature from the lagoon or something, and he's probably bleached. He might even not even have a stitch of clothes. Maybe he's got clothes, but he's a mess. And a lot of times I see that in Jonah chapter 3, verse 1, and I notice that it just happens to be the place where the Lord shows up again. Isn't that true in the Christian life? Isn't that true before you got saved? The Bible says, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we are yet whale puke, sinners, Christ died for us. You see, he saved you when you were at your worst. Amen? He didn't save you at your best. He didn't wait for you to attain certain level of spirituality. He didn't wait for you to memorize the books of the Bible. He didn't wait for you to start coming to church. He didn't wait for you to do a certain thing that made him happy. He saved you when you were a sinner and you called out unto him. So even in the Christian life, I'm going to try to give you some practical applications this morning that may help you. I'd like to try to preach a message about the God of second chances. And if you're honest with yourself this morning, God has given you and I a second chance. Well, that was kind of poor, wasn't it? Matter of fact, he's given me some third chances and fourth chances and fifth chances and just keep racking that thing up. But I'd like to preach about the God of second chances. And can I say this morning... We don't deserve a second chance. We really don't. We live in the entitlement society, the entitlement generation. Now look, I will, I will give you this as Bible believers. I'll, I'll guarantee that you're not as bad as the current generation that's lost. Right? Because you often say, who do they think they are? You were raised, many of you were raised to get up and clean up and shut up and go to work. And grow up. <laughs> And this generation doesn't seem to have that concept. They have the idea that as soon as they hit 18 and even before that, they should be CEO of the company. They should be able to come to work for $20 an hour, but yet they've never broken a sweat besides to get up and go to the refrigerator or put on another game on their Nintendo or whatever it is, their Xbox or whatever it is. No one's ever had any sweat equity in this generation. Very few people ever taught that anymore. But let me tell you what, God does not owe you another chance in this life to do what He wants you to do. And let me tell you what, we're all called to serve Him. We're all called to please Him. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 4 that He deserves our worship, He deserves our glory, His glory, and He deserves our, our, our honoring unto Him. He deserves it, not us. So if uh, we start this thing out at the gate... Uh, he does not des- we do not deserve a second chance in the Christian life. We don't. But I'm sure thankful he gives it to us. And I just want to kind of bring that thought together, and hopefully this makes a little bit of sense this morning. I preach about the God of second chances. Can I tell you this this morning? When God gives you a second chance, this is real simple. It's not alliterated. A lot of messages I try to make alliterated, but I couldn't make it happen, so I quit forcing it. I'm just going to say this morning, when God gives you a second chance from our text, you just need to do something. You need to do something. Can I tell you this morning, uh, realize that you don't deserve it. Drop your entitlement philosophy. Understand that, honestly, you deserve hell. As a Christian, you can't go there. Amen? As a Christian, you cannot go there. As a Christian, you cannot go there. Well, thank you. About four more have come along. Okay, well, praise the Lord. Maybe we've got to preach about the eternal security of the believer later. Amen. I want you to make sure you understand if you're here today and you've trusted Jesus Christ, your Savior, you cannot go to hell. 
Amen. And that ought to be a blessing to you, and you ought to be able to sleep a little bit better at night. Not only that, but that ought to light a fire, no pun intended, under your tail that some of your family and friends need the Lord Jesus Christ because without Jesus Christ, they're toast. But you need to understand that what, uh, uh, He doesn't uh, owe you a second chance at anything. You honestly deserve hell, and you deserve a wrecked life. Now, that's a tough one right there. Uh, you say what you want. Everyone in here thinks that they deserve some amount of blessing and some array of goodness. Well, let me tell you what. You don't. You don't. Matter of fact, you deserve the opposite. But I'm thank, I thank the Lord. He's so, good to, he's so good to me. He's given me a beautiful wife of 26 years. He's given me children that, for the most part, I think they still love me. Amen. They still hug me. I mean, that's just a miracle that a woman would stick with me that long. You say, why are you saying that before she does? No, just kidding. (laughs) Amen. And if you're honest, you're blessed. You are blessed. You say, well, I don't have this. You're still blessed. You're still breathing his air this morning. You woke up this morning, and I believe probably most of you had a warm house, somewhat warm. You looked out there, and you saw the snow. And if you're thinking about the Lord, you're like, well, when I got saved, my sins were washed as white as snow. And when God the Father looks at you now, he sees that white snow because of the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And he doesn't owe us a second chance. He doesn't owe us anything. We got the blessings and righteousness of Jesus Christ when he got saved. But can I tell you this? When the Lord gives you a second chance like he gave Jonah here, He gives Jonah a second chance here in Jonah chapter 3, verse 1. Can I tell you this? You need to let yourself off the mat. You say, what does that mean? You need to learn to forgive yourself. Can I just give you something personal here? Something that's going to kind of get in your back door a little bit? You need to let yourself off the mat, Christian. While a lot of Christians don't do anything for the Lord, it's not because they're wicked. It's not because they're lazy. It's just they won't let themselves off the mat. Can I say it like this? You need to forgive yourself. Whatever you've done in the past is the past. Whatever it is that you've done or you see yourself as a failure at, if you're saved, you should have by now put it under the blood of Jesus Christ. When God the Father looks at you, He sees His precious Son. So whatever it is that's tripping your trigger or busting your yoke, you have got to learn to let yourself off the mat, Christian or you'll never go on for Jesus Christ. There's some things right now that you're looking at every single day, and you go back to that thing, and it trips you up. Let yourself off the mat. You need to forgive yourself. Can I tell you this? Not only that, but when God gives you a second chance, you need to learn to forgive other people. The reason why some people won't serve the Lord, the reason why some Christians won't grow in grace as they should, is because there's somebody in the way. See, a lot of times, you're in the way. You have to learn... I'll be careful. You have to learn to forgive yourself. And then once you get out of the way, isn't that a hard one, Christian? Getting yourself out of the way? Then you got to get somebody else out of the way. And when you get yourself out of the way and you let yourself off the mat and you remember things that are in the past or under the blood of Jesus Christ and realize that you're nothing but a, a human animated ball of sin and God will still use you, then the next step of the way is realizing there's someone in the way that you probably need to forgive because they hurt you. They did you wrong. They did something that you didn't think was fair and they said something about you. So, and that person's in the way and you've got to learn to forgive that individual. 
once they get out of the way, can I say this? Kind of in an interesting sense, you need to learn to forgive God. You say, why? Because a lot of times Christians blame the Lord for what they're going through. The Bible says over in the book of Proverbs, he says, The lot is cast into the lap, but the whole disposing thereof is of the Lord. You know, many of you, you were raised with a hand that you were dealt. Fair enough. You couldn't control it. Was it your fault? <laughs> you cannot pick your family. But you can pick your nose. And many times, because of the situation we have or... Uh, how we grew up or the family we grew up in or how our marriage went or how this went or because this thing happened to us, if we're able to forgive ourselves and let ourselves off the mat, we're able to get other people out of the way, many times the thing that's happened is we're blaming the Lord for allowing it to happen. Can I say this? You need to forgive the Lord. You need to say, all right, Lord, not your fault. I understand that you allowed this to happen so maybe later in my Christian life I can use it to comfort somebody else. I didn't want the death of that child. I didn't want, obviously, the death of that grandchild. But you know what? I guess probably there's going to come a time where someone out there will have lost a grandchild, will have lost a child, will have gone through a nasty divorce, and I can say, you know what? I know where you're at. And I've been there, and God will bring you through it, and it's going to be okay. Can I say this morning, when God gives you a second chance, you need to do something with it. Don't just ignore it. You need to do something with it. Let me show you here. When God says, arise and go and preach, look at verse 2. He says, and I cry, oh, no, that's verse, uh, chapter 2. Arise, go into Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. And I tell you, you need to go. Look at verse 3. And Jonah arose. That's what the Lord told him to do. And went out unto Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. That's where God told him to go. He says, now Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days' journey. Now look at verse 4. And Jonah began. And then look at here. It says, uh, and he cried. He's doing exactly what God wanted him to do. You see that? He got up. He went out. And he did what God wanted him to do. That's real simple, isn't it? That's all the Lord wanted him to do. A lot of times we think what God wants us to do is difficult, but it's not. Just get up, go, and say what I want you to say. Old hymn writer wrote the song, I'll go where you want me to go, dear Lord. I'll, I'll be what you want me to be. I'll say what you want me to say, dear Lord, so forth and so on. But to do this, you know what you have to do? You have to learn as a Christian to get up. In 2023, complacency is at its worst. We're satisfied to sit. We're satisfied to do nothing. We're satisfied to stay home. We're satisfied to please our flesh and to do our own thing. But you need to learn to arise from where you're at. Can I remind you, if we're looking at Jonah, you know where Jonah's at? Jonah chapter 2, the last verse. He's in a very undesirable place. A lot of Christians are in an undesirable place right now. A lot of Christians today are in an undesirable place. It's kind of gross. They don't like where they're at. It smells. It's disgusting. It's a situation they didn't ask for, but nevertheless, they're in it. They're in an undesirable place. Jonah's last state, like we said in our beginning, is lying on the ground in a pile of whale puke. 
There's the picture I want you to see from it. Take your Bible, go to Revelation chapter 3. Can I illustrate what God thinks of many Christians today? How God views many Christians? There's no mistake that the book of Jonah was in there for our edification and for our learning. But in the book of Revelation, you see a stark similarity between what Jonah was doing and what a lot of Christians are doing in this present day. God sees many Christians just like this. Look at Revelation chapter 3 verse 14. Bible says, And unto the angel of the church of Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, because thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou art cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Looks like someone's throwing up, doesn't it? Now that has nothing to do with your salvation. A lot of people have taught that has, has nothing to do with your salvation. It has to do with your fellowship. But what I want you to understand is God sees many Christians this morning just like this. I will spew thee out of thy mouth. But here's the problem. In our generation that you and I live, things have now changed. Many, many years ago when we were in this condition, we could see the condition we're in. But now we no longer can. You know, because we often think as Christians that we're okay. That's the, that's the scariest thing. And I use my dear friend, dear, dearly departed friend, Brother Mick, as an example. I remember about six months before he came in, he always had this little cough. <coughs> and I talked, hey, hey, brother, and he just, you know, you love Brother Mick. How could you not like Brother Mick? Hey, I <coughs> <and> just had <coughs> this, I thought it was a tickle. You can't, you know, you just, guess what? Later on, it, it took him. And it went undetected, I'm guessing. You know, there's things in your Christian life right now that are going undetected. If you look inward, and God's wanting to give you a second chance, but he wants you to be able to see yourself the way he sees you. Look at verse uh, 17, Revelation chapter 3. Because thou sayest, I am rich, and increase with goods, and have need of nothing. Isn't that the generation we live? I'm good, Right? And knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind. And here's Jonah, naked. I doubt that fellow had any clothes on coming out of the belly of the whale, man. I'm guessing that acid probably ate through everything, and it was just the resurrecting power of God the Father that brought him back to life. I believe he died in that whale because he's a picture of Jesus Christ. In the heart of the earth for three days and three nights, the book of Matthew says. Probably come up looking like a stinking zombie. You want to talk about the walking dead, here he comes. Here comes a, a zombie preacher preaching, you better get right, Lord's going to blast you to smithereens. Well, here's where the Christian's at many times. We see ourselves just like this. You think you're okay, but you're not. Your bills are paid. You dress nice. You got the right Bible, amen? But you know what God sees you in? He sees you in a pile of vomit. I will spew thee out of thy mouth. I'm not trying to get on you this morning. Let the Holy Spirit do that. But I'm saying God is a God of second chances, but you've got to be willing, like Jonah did, to see your present condition where you're at. And if you don't see yourself where you're at, you won't do anything at all. 
Until you get into the mirror sometimes and see that your clothes, you're tired of your pants not buttoning, you're tired of your shirt. Let me tell you what, if I wouldn't have lost 20 pounds before I had the surgery, I'd be busting out of my clothes right now sitting on the stinking couch for three or four weeks. What a train wreck, man. But until you get uncomfortable with it, you'll never diet. Until you get sick and tired of hacking your lungs up and hacking your lungs up and getting sinus infections, you'll never quit smoking. Until yourself see yourself as miserable and always, uh, you know, uh, your joints are always swollen, you'll stop eating so much sugar. You've got to be able to see yourself the way that God sees you. And the only way you'll be able to do that is through the Word of God. So what do I need to do, preacher? Well, you need to arise from where you're at. You need to get up from where you're at. Well, you're going to have to get up and you're going to have to clean up, aren't you? I imagine Jonah probably got out of that pile or whatever he was in and probably went right back in the sea, that old salty sea there, and just started washing up. Christian, you know what you knew? God gives you a second chance. You need to clean up. A second chance, when God gives you another chance to do what he wants, is not an opportunity for you just to go live however you want. You see, the grace of God is not a clean glove to put on a dirty hand. So you need to arise. You need to get up from where you're at. You need to learn to say what God wants you to say. You need to say like, okay, Lord, what do you want me to say? You say, well, the Lord is not saying anything. Well, don't say anything at all. It's all right to be quiet when the Lord's quiet. A lot of times we think that when God's not talking, we've got to go ahead and make up for his lack of speaking to us. No, just be quiet. The Lord will eventually speak to you through the reading of his word. Can I say this morning, your condition needs to change. Your clothes need to change. Your direction needs to change and your desires need to change. When God gives you a second chance, what has to happen is you have to learn to get up. That's a rise. And the next thing it is, is go. You need to leave the present place where you're at. You have to realize your present condition. God's given me a second chance on this thing. So I realize where I'm at. I don't like it. It smells. It's no good. And I'm tired of being here. So I need to get up. And I need to go. And some Christians need to go this morning. They need to go where God wants them to be. Let me show you this thing here. No matter the difficulty you face, you say, what's that? Well, look at what, what, uh, what did Jonah face? Well, back in Jonah chapter 3, he faced the Ninevites, didn't he? The Ninevites were a savage people, weren't they? History says that. If you read anything about the Ninevites, they're extremely savage individuals. You know why a lot of Christians don't move? They're afraid of the people. I'm sure glad when Jonah was given a second chance, he wasn't afraid of the people. Now, Jonah had other problems. No doubt we'll deal with those later when we get to chapter 4. But he got up and he got with it. But he's dealing with the Ninevites. That's the difficulty. Not only that, what is Jonah's difficulty here? Well, look at this. Verse 3. Now, Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days' journey. That's a big city. That means it'll take you three days to get through it. That'd be something like Jacksonville or something. On foot? So he's facing some difficulty. You know why Christians don't want to take God up on a second chance? It seems too difficult. I can't do that. Well, I know you want me to read my Bible every day, but Lord, I can't. I'm not a reader. You've got to start somewhere. You see what I mean? 
Lord wants to draw you closer to him in fellowship. He wants you to spend some time with him in prayer. Lord, I can't do that. You know, you know I have a hard time paying attention. Well, start somewhere. Start somewhere. The difficulties are always going to be in your way. The Ninevites are always going to be there. The people are always going to be there. Your, 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 your family's always going to be there. Some of them will be in the way. And sometimes those things that God wants you to do and go after, they seem so far away. Oh, Lord, that's three days out. But there's always going to be difficulties. No matter the difficulties, the Ninevites, the journey that stands in your way, can I just say this? You have to start somewhere when the Lord gives you a second chance. Look at verse 4. And Jonah, what? He began. You see that? Real simple this morning. God gives you a second chance. You've got to start somewhere. You've got to start somewhere. You have to start somewhere, and each journey begins with a what? Single step. You say this is too simple, is it? Each journey begins with a simple step, a single step. Can I tell you this morning, the Lord's not looking for results from you. See, that's the world you and I live in. That's why many Christians don't want to do anything for the Lord because they think the Lord is result-driven. He's not driven that way. You know what the Lord's looking for? He's looking for effort. Remember, the Lord was a Jew, right? That's a Shemite. A Shemite looks at effort. That eastern fellow over there, that Shemite, that hope this country better hope never has to go to war with, they die with honor. Why? Effort. You know what you and I have to be? we got to be number one. And that's many times your culture which keeps you back from serving the Lord Jesus Christ because you think if you can't be number one, you're not going to do it. If you're not going to be the center of attention, well, it's not in it for me. Wait a minute now. It's not about you. It's about Jesus Christ. See, that's a difficulty that's in your way. You're in the way. The people are in the way. The journey's in the way. The distance is in the way. Listen, you have got to start somewhere. Why? The Lord has given us a second chance. The Lord's not looking for results. That's man. The Lord's looking for movement. The Lord is looking for movement. The question this morning is, will you move? Well, that's a, real, that's a real cute message, preacher, but I'm okay. I know, I know. Revelation 3, you think you got all your bills paid. You think you got it under wraps. But do you see yourself the way the Lord sees you this morning? Poor, miserable, blind, naked. You can't even see what you need. The Lord is looking for effort. He's just looking for movement. Remember, you take the step towards the Lord, He'll meet you there. You know how I know? The city was what? Three days journey. When Jonah began, what did the Lord do? The Lord fast-tracked him through the city. It took him one day instead of three. You see it right in the verse? Listen, your difficulties are real. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not making this stuff up. What you see is real because what you do for Jesus Christ can only be done with Jesus Christ's help. You can't do it through your flesh. You can't do it in your physical power. But when you realize it and you make the movement, yes, the journey is three days, but God fast-tracks Jonah through that thing and it only took him one day and he's standing in the middle of that city and he's preaching unto him. You get in the next verse, it wasn't because of Jonah's oratorical skills or his ability. God needed a man to preach like Jonah preached and got him in front of the city and that whole city turned. See, it's not about you. God wants movement. Are you willing to move? Why? He's given us a second chance. 
Many of you might have had second chances and jobs, second chances with your spouse. I'm sure glad the Lord gives us second chances. Once you begin, the Lord is more than able to help you make up for lost time. Isn't that what we're worried about when we get older? Be honest. Isn't it easy to get defeated, discouraged, like, huh, I'm 47, man. What can I do? Right? Or 57, or 67, or 70, whatever it is. Oh, what what can I do? I don't know. The Lord can fast track you. He can help you make up for lost time. There's There's a book of the Bible written by John Mark. Matthew, Mark. You ever read the book of Mark? It's actually an easier read for me. Now, Luke, that's a, that's a tough read. Luke was a doctor, the beloved physician. And I'll tell you what, Luke writes like a doctor, you know. Isn't the famous word of one doctor said, right? Can't understand half of it. <laughs> you ever try to read a doctor's writing? Anyway, some of you all get that about lunchtime. But if you ever read the book of Mark, you'll realize that John Mark is in a hurry when he wrote it. You say, why? If you remember in Acts chapter 13, he has a falling out with Paul, doesn't he? Paul and John Mark, they have a church split. A Baptist heated discussion. And the contention was so sharp, guess what happened? They split. And Paul went and ministered one way, and John Mark sat on the sidelines for a little bit, But later, as Paul would say, he became profitable for the ministry. And he was able to get plugged back in. Amen? Isn't that a blessing? God can still use you if you go away and come back. Then he plugs John Mark back in. And John Mark is chosen by the Holy Spirit of God to write the book of Mark. And if you go through and read the book of Mark, you know what you're going to find? And, 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 and. It just goes and goes. Why? He's trying to make up for lost time. I'm telling you, when you make movement, when you arise and go and say, Lord, I'm going to do whatever it is you want me to do, and I don't know how I'm going to do it because of the people. You know the Ninevites. (laughs) You know them Baptists, man. They're, They're killers. You know the Ninevites. They're savage. And you know the journey. There's no way in my frame and my age and my... I can't get there. And the Lord's like, all I want to do is see you make one step. He's able to fast track you and help you make up for lost time. And I see that in four and five. Why? Because one man was willing to take advantage of a second chance. I hope you see that this morning. The Lord's not looking for results because you know why? The Lord is the one that produces the results. He doesn't expect you to do anything except listen to Him and follow Him. He's looking for movement. And three days with Jonah became one with God's help. But it required Jonah to take the first step. And in verse 4, Jonah began. And many Christians, I hate to say it, they never begin. They stay on a pew. They stay on the chair. They stay on a couch. This morning, God has given you and I many second chances to live for Him. God's given you and I many second chances to serve Him. He's given us many chances to turn our lives to do something for Him. But like old Jonah, Many Christians purposely go the wrong way. And I don't know if you've ever looked at that thing. Jonah was from Tarshish, and I tried to get the map, and it's, I'm not a geography guy, but if Tarshish is north of Jerusalem, about 263 miles, 
And so by the time he got on that ship and he goes down to Joppa, which is present-day Jaffa, if you try to figure that thing out, it's 263 miles the wrong way. So, and then to get over to Nineveh, which is modern-day Iraq, is more than a three-day journey. See, that's the part you don't see. But Jonah was willing once he got washed up on the shore. See, we read Jonah like he gets puked up on the shore, and, la, he's in Nineveh. That's not how it goes. If you look on your map, if you go just west of Jerusalem, that would be right about where Jonah got barfed up there. And he's got to go there all the way over to present-day Iraq. And from there, the Lord fast-tracks him to do something for him. Listen, the journey is long, but you get moving in the right direction, God will take care of the lost time. And as you know how Jonah ends, that entire city, that entire country is spared from the wrath of God. But God's given you and I a second chance this morning. He's given you and I a second chance to live for him, to serve him, to do something for him. He's given us a second chance to go find some of our family and loved ones that do not know Jesus Christ and cry unto them. Are you willing to move this morning? Are you willing to take advantage of that second chance? This morning as Elizabeth comes to play, why don't you come down to this old altar and I'm going to put it on you this morning. Why don't you just come, arise, and go? Here's the first step. Why don't you tell the Lord, Lord... I'm willing to come. Will you meet me here? Will you come this morning? Or will you stay in your wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked condition? The choice is yours. Why not get a hold of that second chance that the Lord has prepared for you today? You come if the Lord spoke into your heart. People are coming to pray. Will you arise and go?